Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Nation to another episode of the Core 4 Podcast. The Core 4 is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, along with GBB Live and the 3 and D Podcast. Like, subscribe, download on any podcast streaming platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than Negative Nate Chester. What up? Negative Nate, I think I was fairly positive tonight. Not Nothing too bad. Dude, you compare Taylor Jenkins to Penny. <sighs> is that such a terrible thing? What, what are you implying about Penny, Parker? He he might not be the best comparison for a NBA head coach. Hey, even though the Memphis Tigers are currently like 330th in the nation in offensive efficiency, no one is allowed to criticize him. We've been over this. Eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, hey, so as you all know, unless you live under a rock or you live in the 1990s and record the games to watch later, um, the Grizzlies got their ass kicked tonight. Uh, brutal ending to this four-game road trip. But honestly, I mean, you know, like you had tweeted, and, you know, it is negative and stuff, but this was a tough game for the Grizzlies, given that the Rockets are one of the hotter teams since trading away Clint Capella and fully committing to P.J. Tucker and Jeff Green at the five. Um, I... I kind of got to see why it works because they just switch on everything. And with PJ Tucker and Robert Covington, that that's a hard switch. It's very hard to, you know, pick them in the pick and roll, you know, kind of like how teams typically try to pick apart Rudy Gobert and get him defending in space. Or even last year with the Warriors or Clint Capella, it worked. I mean, granted they're playing John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Ty, I mean, not, I mean, it's just not. It's a shell of this Grizzlies team that we've seen for the past few months without Jan Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark. But just a tough road yeah. trip. Like I don't want to go so far as to say the Rockets made me an absolute believer tonight because um, if they run into the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs, Nikola Jokic is going to average thirty and twenty. They have absolutely no answer for an overwhelming center who can create his own offense. It's going to be the same story with Anthony Davis if they play the Lakers in the playoffs. Uh, for a team like Memphis, PJ Tucker and Jeff Green are both big enough where they can hold their own against a solid starting center like Jonas Valanciunas. And it's one thing. And I saw this on Twitter a lot over the last two hours where people were criticizing Valanciunas saying he should absolute he should absolutely dominate this game. Look who's guarding him. Well, he was being doubled on almost every single catch because who was going to beat them if he kicked it out to the three point line? 
Dylan Brooks is doing his impression of Kobe Bryant on his absolute worst day. He had 22 points on 9 of 26 shooting tonight. Um, DeAnthony Melton, not a strong three-point shooter. John Morant will barely even shoot them. Kyle Anderson, total non-shooter. They were never going to win this game. Rockets had them. at the, The way the Rockets roster is built up at the moment, they had absolutely zero chance. I mean, it's also like one of those things, too, where, I mean, my my dad was screaming at the TV why they're not feeding Valentunas down low. But when you get those switches, I mean, for one, it's not like Russell Westbrook and James Harden are complete mismatches. I mean, James Harden is a very good post defender. He has a very good low center of gravity and quick hands. And then Russell Westbrook is just like a freaking madman. He kind of just reminds, like... Trying to, th- he reminds me of like Hammy the Squirrel, the way he plays basketball. You know, from over the hedge, yeah, yeah. he just plays with a ferocity and aggression and hyperness. Where, I mean, when he gets going, it's just tough, tough to get past it. But also, too, you're relying on John Moran to make entry passes with Robert Covington, who's a big lawn defender, and then PJ Tunker, who also is a bigger, more physical defender. You're tr- relying on John to make entry passes with those two guys guarding him. And he's a great passer, but those are very difficult passes to make. And like you mentioned, especially with the Rockets not really keying in the Grizzlies perimeter players. Yeah, and Ja is going to struggle in games like this. You cannot really expect him to take over the game like Russell Westbrook did. I have to say this is one of the most impressive performances that I've ever seen Russell Westbrook have. He was efficient and he was dominant. And Westbrook put into perspective something that's really been an issue for the Grizzlies, not only uh, during this losing streak, but going back to right before the All-Star break, and that's perimeter defense. Um, There were two times that I counted that the Grizzlies scored on one end and Westbrook scored a layup four seconds later on the other end. That should absolutely never happen. He was cutting through defenders like Swiss cheese. And I understand he's probably the most physical driver of the basketball at the point guard position in the NBA, probably the most physical driver of the basketball as a point guard in NBA history, but that simply cannot happen. And on the other end of the court, when the Grizzlies are running out of lineup like this, that's very short on perimeter firepower and offense in general, John Morant is great. He's the rookie of the year. I don't want to hear any other debate about it. Um, But he is not at the level yet where he can have someone like Robert Covington or even Daniel Howe slapped onto him, a longer, bigger, more athletic defender. You simply cannot expect him to consistently create one-on-one against players like that. And he's going to struggle against that type of length, and he did so tonight. And right now, and you can just see what happens. They uh, bring in players off the bench. Yuta Watanabe played 16 minutes. John Conchar played 17 minutes. Um, Marco Guderich and Dusty Hannes, who Dusty Hannes had a very solid game, had eight points in six minutes um, during garbage time. They simply do not have the talent to compete with teams that are playing at a level like the Houston Rockets are right now. We can go into all sorts of different analysis, uh, talking about cutting off entry passes to the post, lack of perimeter shooting, perimeter defense. We can talk all we want about it, but they simply are not good enough to even compete 
for teams like that. The Grizzlies have been an overachieving team for the last two to three months who over a 15-game stretch, their offensive efficiency was comparable to the 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors who won 73 games. Um, It was absurd to think they were going to continue to play at that high of a level on the offensive end of the court. And now they're experiencing the regression and they're also missing two of their four best players to injury. And this is the end result of that. And it's going to look ugly at times. I mean, I think it's more about them not having two of their four best players, especially when one, I mean, granted, though he was in the midst of a shooting slump, Jaron Jackson Jr. can create from the perimeter as a floor spacer and he can take players' positions three through five off the dribble. Um, and get to the rim. And also, too, he is a very good defender, both protecting the rim and defending space. Yep. I mean, his impact can be understated, as well as Brandon Clark. I mean, Brandon Clark was a huge source of offense off the bench. And when you play Brandon Clark, you're not having to play Yuta Watanabe 16 minutes. And, I, and also, too, with the Rockets' front court being... P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, and Jeff Green and Damari Carroll. I think Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. could have exploited some mismatches there. So yeah, I, I, that's why I just think it's it's like one of those things you mentioned when you're trotting. I mean, no disrespect to those guys. I mean, they worked hard with the hustle. They, you know, they they're getting a chance to show their NBA worth, but don't expect to beat the Houston Rockets on the road when you're having to give Yuta Watanabe and John Conchar NBA rotation minutes. And, and that's why I could not understand for the life of me why people were getting upset and angry on Twitter. Um, look at who's on the court. Again, no disrespect to those guys, but do you really think John Conchar and Yuta Watanabe, Marco Guderick and Dusty Hannes, guys that are all playing at least five minutes like that, do you really expect them to beat a team like the Houston Rockets, what do you expect when you see that lineup get trotted out? And even Josh Jackson, who you and I both like, and he's a nice young piece going forward, Josh Jackson shouldn't be playing 23 minutes. He shouldn't. Come on. I mean, he. I mean, if he's playing like he did the past several games, yeah. I mean, tonight just wasn't his night. Um, I will say, too, um... I do think it's also one of these scenes where it's kind of corny too. Like you're saying people on Twitter are freaking out regardless if they had Jaron Jackson Jr. Brandon Clark, it's still a road trip with the Sacramento Kings who granted they've been disappointing this season, but they they have a higher power power with, you know, Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald and Bondanovich. And I'm only mentioning Barnes first because he dropped 30 points and hit seven threes. He literally looked like Clay Thompson out there. And then you have the Los Angeles Lakers at home, the Los Angeles Clippers at home, whose bench they look they could probably be be an eight seed in the East. I mean, their bench they had Reggie Jackson, Lou Will, Landry Shamit, Jamichael Green, Montrez Harrell. That could be an eight seed in the East. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then you got the Houston Rockets on the road. Regardless, it's a hard stretch. And I don't think anybody should be fretting. The people that are saying about the whole Jeff Green, Solomon, or not Jeff Green. I mean, they're basically all the same player, but Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. Like, um, I want to give a shout out to Anthony Sane of the Grizz Maven from Sports Illustrated and Fast Break Breakfast. So since the trade deadline and after the All-Star break, so the, after the All-Star break, the Heat are 0-3. 
since and then they've also I think they're like two and six since getting a Udala and they've lost to the Timberwolves and the Cavs and the Hawks. They lost to the Timberwolves at home tonight. And the Grizzlies are four and five against better competition. Yeah. So, it, is that a, a large enough sample size to say? Because you had a Iguodala, you had a Crowder, and you had a Solomon Hill. Um, that was the depth that you were adding to push yourself over the hump and become a championship caliber team, a true title contender. Is going two and six after that trade a large enough sample size to say that that trade was a failure and what they were trying to do? Um, I think, and this isn't just me trying to roll with my agenda or anything, but I really do think they missed Tyler Hero off the bench alongside Goran Drogic because he gives Drogic another playmaker that could create his own shot off the dribble. Um, I mean, when your bench is Drogic, Iguodala, Derek Jones Jr., and Jay Crowder, there's just not much shot creation off the bench. Um, And obviously, that's and I do think, you know, sitting out and not playing from February, especially at the ripe age at 30s, you're not going to be that good. You're not going to be as fresh as people think you're going to be. And even like you've been alluding to anyways, Andre Iguodala thought he was LeBron James and really last season he was like what? He was just like a muscular Tabo Zavalosha? Pretty much. Uh, you cannot... Even on a team that had Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Stephen Curry, a guy who's 35 or he's 36 now, if you're relying on a 36-year-old player who last season averaged five points a game has generally been a relative non-shooter or a below-average shooter for basically the last five years in Golden State, and he was really able to just focus on his one main skill at this point of his career, which is defense, last year in Golden State, if you're looking for a guy like that to push you over the hump and not just be a a nice little tertiary piece in your rotation, I've got news for you. That was never going to happen. Andre Iguodala was never going to push the Miami Heat over the hump. And honestly, for much of the Grizzlies' winning streak and when they were winning very much over the last three months, I don't really think Iguodala would have made them any better. He, He gets Solomon Hill's minutes. Um, that probably helps because Solomon Hill, no disrespect to him, but Iguodala um, is simply not the player that he thinks he is at this point in his career. But I will say this, and I'll make this a little bit of a segue into something I wanted to talk about, is that Iguodala would, because of his one somewhat elite, I guess still elite skill at this point of his career, because of his defense, he would help the Grizzlies in that department. And that has been really the only really discouraging trend for me here lately with the Grizzlies. Um, Obviously, you saw it in the first quarter tonight, very much so. Um, Ball movement. um, uh, The Grizzlies have predicated themselves on ball movement spacing, and that's why they're leading the league in assists right now. But that has kind of become an afterthought. Um, I believe it was Mark King who made me aware of this. Uh, The Grizzlies are 18th in assists during the month of February, which is obviously a concern. But you know what? Um, the offense has been stagnant at times. It's also had a lot of movement and spacing at times. They're just simply not converting shots at the same rate they have. Then it'll cause your assist to go down. But what has been discouraging is defense. 
And I can excuse the last two games because you're missing Jaron Jackson. I really don't think you can understate how important he is to this team defensively, especially when he's out there with Jonas Valanciunas, who frankly is a bit of a black hole on that end a good amount of the time. But they have been so soft on the perimeter defensively. Um, The Rockets made 26 of 54 threes tonight. The Rockets are... The Rockets are the perfect embodiment of small ball basketball, pace and space basketball. But to give up 26 threes to an opponent is absolutely ridiculous. And they've just been struggling entirely too much ever since the All-Star break came to an end and even before the All-Star break. And they got to commit to a defensive identity if they want to turn this around. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark are both out, and they played a vital role in the team's defense. But um, there, I mean, I don't think there's really any strong defensive perimeter players off the bench. I mean, J- Josh Jackson has his flashes. Other than that, you're relying on John Conchar, Udawan Adambe, and Tyus Jones to defend the perimeter against the bench and as we saw tonight that bench perimeter defense was a huge contributing factor to the Rockets three-point barrage as the Rockets combined for 11 threes just off the bench I mean it's just one of those things you're ravished with injury and yeah a lot of times you can't help it Um, yeah I mean in normal situations you have DeAnthony Melton off the bench. You have Kyle Anderson. I mean, I, with Winslow or Anderson, one of them's coming off the bench, and either one are plus defenders. You'll have Brandon Clark off the bench. And in theory, the bench unit of Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, Justice Winslow, Brandon Clark, and Gorgie Dane, that's a pretty tough defensive bench unit especially considering you have Jaron Jackson Jr. and Kyle Anderson in the starting lineup too, who are also both plus defenders. And even too, like Jonas Valanciunas, when he's having to defend um, a big man that's not really spacing the floor, the metrics show he's a good defender. Um, Oh, yeah, he's very good inside the paint. Unfortunately, um, big men who play like that are starting to become a premium. Right. And so I I just think a lot of the struggles are hindered to just – this barrage of injuries. I mean, before the All-Star break, and even after they traded away Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, who were pretty good perimeter defenders, I must say. I mean, they used their physicality on that end. Um, they gave up 107 to Dallas, who is a very strong offensive team. Granted, they didn't have Luka, but Rick Carlisle is a good offensive coach. 119 to Philly, which, I mean... You lost that game, so it doesn't really matter. 99 to the Wizards, who have a breakneck offensive pace and kind of just let it fly at will. And then 104 to the Portland Trailblazers, who have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And Hassan Whiteside, who just kind of gets dump-offs for 15, 20 points a night. They were playing good defense, and I just think it's one of those things they just got hit with the injury bug at the absolute wrong time. And it's kind of just magnifying and making problems bigger than they really are. Because like you said, I mean, granted, they're not going to play at this whole 73 win Warriors thing, but they're not bad. Like they're a good team. They're just, they're hit with injury. And let's be honest, 
regardless of what this any surpassed expectations, it's not about this year. They're not going to be competing with the Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, but while we're on the topic of healthy Grizzly players right now, here's a question I want to ask you, and I, I think you as the um, – owner of prime real estate on his island and a writer of a six-part series about him can answer this question better than anybody okay so you ready for this yeah fire away is dylan brooks okay um (laughs) Uh, he took this he he took twice as many shots as the person who took the second most shots tonight which was john morant john morant took 13 shots Dylan Brooke took 26 shots in 30 minutes of play tonight. He made just nine of them. He did end up with 22 points, but um, I'm pretty sure I could score 22 points if he gave me 26 shots. Um, is he just trying to shoot his way out of a slump? Does he think he's the only one who could score off the perimeter? Like, what was this? I mean, what else are you wanting from the perimeter, for one? I mean... I guess you just want more John Morant shots, but because nobody's really guarding Kyle Anderson or DeAnthony Melton, it's almost looking like Mike Conley in the 2013 Western Conference Finals with Tony Allen and Tayshaun Prince. No, like, there's no lane for him to drive, so obviously he's going to look to pass. And Dylan's just trying to get out of a slump, I guess. <laughs> I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine. I mean, let. I think this is honestly his first real slump of the season since since preseason, maybe. And, you know, for guys of his skill set, ones that typically rely on streaky scoring and just kind of more volume shooting, slumps like this are expected. I mean, one guy I kind of peg him to around this point, it's probably like Tim Hardaway Jr., and he he has shooting slumps like this, but then you'll have stretches like he is in January where he looks like a legitimate top 10, top 15 shooting guard. I mean, I just think it's a slump. I think he'll be fine. And here's Nate, you're re- you ready to, I'm, I'm going to drop some wisdom on you as far as owning islands. You ready for this? Okay. I'm ready. If you leave at any side of a storm, you were never really on the island. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm staying on the island. I am I you know I wrote a six part series on him. I was on him when he was at Oregon. My bold prediction at before his rookie season was that he would be a rotation player, and sure enough, it both I mean he, he cracked the rotation even when the Grizzlies started out pretty good, mm-hmm. and um at the Grizzlies Grizz Bash. And almost two months ago, I bid on a autograph Dylan Brooks Vancouver jersey. So for charity, for St. Jude. So yes, you're, you're I, doing I'm, the right. You're doing the right thing. You are. Uh, no one. No one. Sticking with Dylan. I'm sticking no one. With yeah, yeah. No one is telling you to leave the island, and nor should you. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of wisdom of my own with you right now, okay? And I and I can do this because this is our podcast, okay? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, Matthew twenty four thirteen out of the Bible, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Parker, you're in a time of great adversity, a time of great testing right now, and your faith is certainly being tested. 
Nine for 26. That's ugly, man. It's that's ugly. That's tough to support. That's tough to stick with. But you've got to remain faithful. And you can't let me or any other person on Grizz Twitter talk you out of your support for your man that you've written a six-part series about and whom you own prime real estate on his island. You can't let them talk you out of it. you got to remain faithful to the end. And, you know, I, I don't think I've heard this comp before, but I think I have finally found the right comp for Dylan Brooks. You know who it is? Who? Middle of his career, Jerry Stackhouse. Okay. Just uh, during the middle of his career, he averaged somewhere in the ballpark between 14 to 18 points a game. He was generally an inefficient scorer his entire career, even when he was averaging 30 points a game. He, in 2001, he averaged 29 points a game while shooting 39% from the field. Um, I think Allen Iverson is probably the only one who comes close to that volume of scoring and that low of a field goal percentage. Dylan Brooks will never average 29 points in a game. At least you and I probably both don't think so. Um, but this is just what he is. For the rest of his NBA career, he will probably be a guy who will score between 14 to 18 points per game. He's going to do it at about a 40% clip. And really, while shooting, making 38% of his threes and hitting over two per game, you can live with streaky slumps like this. It looks ugly when it happens, and oh my lord, has it been ugly over the last couple of weeks, extending before the All-Star break. He has been awful, just absolutely terrible. But you've seen what it's like when he's on. So you live with that. And if he was just a gunner, then I think it would be more frustrating. And, yeah, I'd be a little bit more inclined to be frustrated and maybe even give up on him. But he provides high-energy defense night in and night out. Um, he takes on the toughest assignments. He guarded James Harden tonight. Didn't do a very good job. Well, I don't even think that's fair to say. James Harden was just hitting crazy step-back threes with hands in his face and He's one of the best scorers in the world, one of the best scorers in NBA history. And when he's doing that, there's nothing really that you could do. But Dylan is providing something for you every single night, even when he is an albatross on the offensive end, like he has been for the last three weeks, the last month. Um, stay on your island, Parker. Stay on your island. Yes, I, I was I was planning on it. Um, I don't think you needed me to give you that lecture, but sometimes it's just good to hear encouragement. Yeah, it's kind of like... Kind of like when your parents, you know, they tell you to be careful and when you're driving, you're like, yeah, I was going to be reckless. You know, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. But um, we're about running out of time. I'm just going to put this out there to close my thoughts. The Grizzlies have some spacing issues. And I think it's time to give Dusty Hannah's more than just garbage time. Agreed. Like. I think one thing you could do just because of his nose for the basketball is in most situations, I think you can get away with playing John, uh, John Conchar and Josh Jackson at the three and the four, but go ahead and play dusty over Utah. Yeah. Um, I tweeted out earlier tonight said, um, I've watched Yuta Watanabe play spot minutes for the last two years. And to this day, I still have no clue whether he can ever be a legitimate NBA player or not. And Peter Edmondson, always with the words of wisdom, told me that I answered my question right then and there. And I had some clarity after that. Point, point, uh, point in case, 
Dusty Hanna seems to be playing over you to Watanabe. Um, Watanabe, he was a defensive player of the year, whatever mid-major conference that he played in that I can't think of off the top of my head. In college, he could probably be a solid defender at the NBA level. He's a pretty good athlete. Um, I am not sure if I have ever seen him hit a jump shot <laughs> in the last two years. And um, obviously, when you're not given consistent minutes and you can't really find a rhythm or flow, it's hard to tell whether you're an actually good shooter or not. But Hannes is a fill it up scorer, just a pure shooter. And whether that is good enough for him to actually ever be a legitimate longtime NBA player, I don't know. But the Grizzlies need his skill set badly right now. Spacing, like you said, is what they need and it's what they're lacking. And spacing is something that Dusty Hannes can provide. Yes. So overall, free Dusty Hannes. Yep. And honestly, those are bright spots. Our head, Chris Nation. I, I wouldn't fret over this difficult four-game road trip. Even after this weekend, I think the schedule kind of lightens up a little bit. So you can potentially steal some games, but we'll wait and see. Nate, do you have any anything to close the show with? I really don't. Um, I just concur with you. Um, there's a bright future ahead of you. Um, losing to the Lakers and Clippers and Rockets on the road. It's frustrating when you're trying to hold on to the eighth spot in the West. Um, chances are the Grizzlies are not going to hold on to that eight spot. That's just the reality with the schedule they have upcoming and how easy the schedule that the uh, Pelicans, Blazers, and Spurs have. But that's okay. Um, making the playoffs this year was never the goal. And to fall short of that now would be completely fine because this year is not what matters in the grand scheme of things. The Grizzlies are going to be just fine. Um, you roll out a core next year, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, Justice Winslow, DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, and then the expectations can start to be raised. But until then, just enjoy the ride. Yes, enjoy the ride, Grizz Nation. It will be okay. And Nate, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at NathanChester24, and you can find all my Grizzlies-related content at grizzlybearblues.com. Yes, and thank you, Nate. And you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Be sure to continue reading our work, listening to our podcast at SBN Grizzlies at grizzlybearblues.com. Nate, I'll let you have this one. You got it. That's all, folks. <laughs>